Prepare to turn right. seven months this is episode number six I actually can't believe I'm back it's the most exciting thing that's ever happened I don't think like anyone who's been around me the past seven months would know but I think about this podcast non-stop it is constantly on my mind I think I just have a running podcast in my head basically at this point and I'm literally like when I put on these headphones I mean the headphones are off because I don't like listening to my own voice so I just take off the headphones um after I make sure the audio levels are fine anyways um just like a little inside scoop but um like right when I started recording like I just felt so excited and I'm so excited to be back it's crazy um but um, I do need to give a little bit of an intro. I'm just straight into the episode head first. Um, I need to give a little bit of like a, an extended, I guess, um, introduction or what's the word? I need to give an extended um, disclaimer. Yeah, I just forgot how to speak English um, for this episode. So I'm talking about Trump, obviously, right? Because that's what everyone's talking about this week because Trump was indicted and I just, I just, okay, I need to just explain my reasoning here. So everyone just like give me a minute to, I mean, you don't really have a choice, but just I'm going to talk this out for a minute. So when I first got into politics, it was like 2020 around, was like all the BLM stuff and the COVID and I just got very invested in that. Mostly through BLM was how I got into politics. Um, And I was like, I think a lot of people would relate when, when I say this. When you first get into politics, you are usually v- your full force, right? You are every single story that hits the news for literally five minutes. You will know every single detail. You are invested, invested. And for a while, I was just invested in every single story. I just was into politics for the sake of being into politics. Of course, I had beliefs and I had passions and I had very strong opinions. I've always been like a strong, like people will laugh when I say this because I'm not really like someone who like, forces their my opinion so much onto other people but like I've always like had strong beliefs and I've always stuck to those beliefs very firmly even before I was into politics so I guess I I always like had beliefs but really I was just again I was into politics because like you had to be into politics like it was impacting my day-to-day life with COVID and with having like um having curfews because of the riots right so that's why I really was into politics because it just like came into my life but I think when you first get into it that is kind of your attitude a lot of the time is you're kind of just like full force you care about a story because it's on the news you know so if this Trump indictment had happened three years ago I would have cared 10 times more than I do now and I think as you mature me personally and just in general as people mature and your opinions become more nuanced and you realize what impacts your life and what doesn't, you start to change your focus and you start to decide what you care about and what stories you're ready to just let go through the news cycle and not discuss. So I think personally, I decided I really don't care so much about Trump being indicted. And there are some aspects of it that I do care about. I do care about some of the implications of 
the indictment. I do care about the hypocrisy of it, which I'm going to discuss all of those, and I'm going to try to focus on certain points that I think make more have more of an impact on me and reflect some things that I care about a lot. But just the fact that Trump was indicted doesn't like I don't really <laughs> I don't know if I should be saying this, but like I don't really care. You know what I do care about? What I care about is crime. I care about the border. I care about abortion. I care about the trans issue. And all these things are things I'm going to be talking about a lot in my next episode. A couple of those things, um, which I'm very excited about, which I'll tell you about at the end on this one. And over the summer, God willing, when I'm doing my podcast, those are issues I like to focus on because those are things that either they impact my day-to-day life or they reflect, they are reflective of values that I hold strongly, right? Something like this, just a political, like just Trump being indicted, that I just, I don't care and I'm trying to care and I feel like I should care, but I just don't so much. So the reason I'm going to talk about it is for a couple reasons. One, because people did ask me about it. So I think I just want to explain, you know, what is an indictment? What is a grand jury? What is Trump being accused of? Just like a a very quick, this is not going to be a long episode. I mean, famous last words, but I really don't think this is going to be a long one. And then there are certain like parts of this trial that I do care about, like certain, not trial, but certain parts of this story that I do care about that are reflective of larger issues that I care about. So I'm going to like focus on those a little bit, but just in general, I just don't care that much about the fact that Trump was indicted. And another reason that I don't, and this is something that I might get a little bit of backlash from like, please, my five listeners, like calm down, like SC, like you don't like have an audience that's going to give you backlash, but just, I'm just going to say this, um, just in case I think people are going to disagree and some people will agree with me, but I'm not on the Trump train anymore. I'm really not. And again, some, some of you are going to hard disagree with me. Some of you are probably ahead of me on this because even over the summer, I was more pro Trump than I am now. My, I had a huge hour long episode discussing literally every single aspect of the Trump indictment of the not the indictment that's now of the Trump raid I I, when I tell you I did pages and pages of research notes I had google docs with tons of links and pictures and audio clips I spent days and days researching and writing pages of notes detailed outlines I was up late nights not even gonna like say how late not that I remember but and I cared you know I really did and I cared I think because there were, again, certain aspects that reflected larger issues that I cared about, but I also just was more pro-Trump then. Here's the reason why I'm not now. Again, as I said, as your opinions mature and as you become more nuanced and become more, you know, more mature, I guess, in general, you your values become stronger, right? So I'm into politics now because politics are reflective of my values. They're reflective of my morals in everyday life, right? And they're, I have strong principles when it comes to that. So that's why I'm into politics. You know, some people say like, oh, like don't get involved in politics, like as like a Jewish value. I'm not involved in politics in the sense that I don't care about like government. Like I care about government, but like I care about government because I care about abortion I care about millions of babies being murdered every single year I care about criminals coming across the border and border security and I care about crime and I care about children not being indoctrinated with trans ideology right so those are reflective of values so because my politics is now basically exclusively tied to my values 
values are something that I I value. I just like use the word value way too many times. But because of that, I'm more now as opposed to earlier, I more now care about my politicians reflecting those, right? So at, I, I've always liked Trump the politician in the sense that I've liked his policy and I think he did great things for the country as president. So before I was so value focused, even as of the summer, I was able to look past certain things about Trump that made me uncomfortable and certain things that I di- wasn't so happy about with Trump as Trump the person, meaning Trump the man, Trump the father, Trump the what, Trump the husband, Trump the person. I was able to look past those a little bit more because at the end of the day, he was getting things done that I liked and he did things as president that I liked. I liked his border policy. I liked his stance on abortion, things like that. But now that again, I'm more value focused and my opinions are more tied to my morals than anything else. I'm not so willing to sacrifice that side of Trump. I'm not so willing to look past some of the things Trump has said, whether it was the way like, you know, like, listen, let's be real. As much as he denies it, he's definitely had affairs that no one's going to deny that. No rational person will deny that. You know, he's definitely had affairs. He's definitely said some questionable things, whether it be about women or just about different groups of people. He's definitely, I don't know if he's done anything criminal. Like, the business stuff is separate. That's what we're going to discuss today. But anything criminal in terms of, I don't know, like violent crime. I don't know. But just him as a person. And he, listen, he was a celebrity, you know, and I think that already kind of says something like no offense but like I think we can all agree I don't know why I'm saying no offense um no one who's linked to this is a celebrity but I think we can all agree that most people who are celebrities like they're they're not going to be so clean in a lot of these areas but I'm just not so comfortable with him anymore you know and it's because I want my politicians, and I know this is a lot to ask, but I want my politicians to be people that I can say I think they are a good person. And 99.9% of politicians I won't be able to say that about, but it's still something I can look for as a value. And I want want someone more moral over someone less moral. And you know, that doesn't mean that I all of a sudden support Biden because Biden is just as, if not more, immoral than Trump. Um, but, you know, these smaller people like in the house someone like I don't know someone like Anna Polina Luna someone like Robbie Starbuck who lost his seat but I think he would have been great people like I don't know people who are smaller people who are not career politicians people like them I think are the people that I I look up to and who I am going to more fully support than anyone who is cramming through good policy but isn't living with that moral system that they are reflecting in the legislation in their personal life. So that's just kind of my, my general thoughts, I guess. Um, And this is kind of why I'm not so pro Trump anymore. If he were to run in a primary over, I would vote for DeSantis over him in a second. Nikki Haley, maybe I'm not so sure about anyone else. And then of course, in a general election, him over Biden every day of the week, I think most rational people are kind of, I, I would hope most rational people would um, see what Biden has done to this country in the past two, like year, not even, oh my God, 
the fact okay anyway the fact that biden still has over a year to go is horrifying but anyway so that's just kind of my thoughts on all of me even talking about this story but again because people did ask me about it i'm gonna talk about it and i'm gonna emphasize certain points that i actually care about but just like as a general like just point on this episode it's not nearly as detailed not nearly as injected with my opinion as normal because again these are not some things that I particularly care about and I I know like that's like a bad way to start an episode but I don't know I hope you guys can understand where I'm coming from so I'm just gonna jump right into it so what I want to start with is just a a very very brief outline of what went on here um it stems all the way back to 2006 actually so okay actually okay First, before I do that, I want to just explain, because this is kind of the, the source of people's questions, um, so I just want to shout out people who asked me this question. Um, I'm going to play a quick voice recording of my friend Tova asking me this question. Um, her and Nahama both are Canadian, actually, um, so <laughs> kind of like, I'm not so sure how relevant any of this is to you guys, but like, you know, it's fine. Um, it's, I think it'll still be, hopefully, at least a semi-interesting discussion. So, let me just play that really quick. Here's a good Shaila for you from me and Nahama. Um, what does it mean to be indicted, and um, does Donald Trump still have a chance at being the next president? So, basically, the way that this works, and of course, it depends on which state you're in. This is all, like, in the New York's court system, like, everything happening with Trump, it's in the New York court system Alvin Bragg is the one who who is in charge of all of this anyway but what I just in general the way that things work is for a misdemeanor it's a misdemeanor is a smaller crime basically and a felony is a larger crime it's like a more serious crime so in a misdemeanor we don't have a grand jury but for felonies for more serious crimes there's something called a grand jury so essentially what that is is this is a jury, like, just like a jury you would have in a regular court case that, like, decides the outcome. This is a grand, it's much less, much less, like, official and strict. So this is a grand jury that basically what their job is to decide if the prosecution has enough evidence to bring a case against someone. So the prosecution goes before the grand jury and they show all their evidence that they have. And then the grand jury has to vote to decide is there enough evidence to indict the person to basically list, like, say that there, this case is going to go to trial? So if the grant, it depends which state you're in. It could be be a two-third vote or three-fourth vote. Have to agree that there is enough evidence to bring this to trial. Then there's going to be an indictment. So the indictment basically just lists, like, all the crimes. It lists everything that the person is being accused of. So once... Okay, so once the grand jury votes to indict, basically that indictment is brought forth and then the person is arrested and arraigned. An arraignment basically is they're told their crimes. Like they're, they're just they're they stand there and they're read out like all their crimes. So Trump actually wasn't arrested because he turned himself in, he surrendered. Like I don't think it would be great PR-wise. I mean, we're going to discuss the PR aspect of this later, but Trump wasn't just going to, like, be arrested. So he, he turned himself in, and that is where we're at. 
with that but I just wanted to quickly just explain what is a grand jury what is an indictment so again just to clarify when Trump being what Trump being indicted means means a grand jury found there was enough evidence for the case to go forward against him and we're going to discuss what that case is of course and then he was indicted which means the case which means in fact my audio my like recording uh stopped and like there I think I spoke out another at least five ten minutes before I noticed um because I had a different tab open so I feel like I should do some more behind the scenes stuff so there's a behind the scenes moment for you so let's get right back into it and pretend that never happened um so basically again just to summarize what an indictment actually is is just it's written out all the charges that Trump is going to be like like tried on those based on that basis so um right now again where we're at in the whole timeline Trump uh, came before a grand jury the grand jury voted that there was enough evidence to indict Trump Trump was indicted he turned himself in he pled not guilty and he's gonna, it's gonna go to trial and that is where we're at so now what exactly happened like what is he being accused of what is what are all these 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 felonies that he's being charged with what is any of this so this is where we're going to get into our timeline that i was talking about earlier okay i think i should keep this tab open i think that would be smart so i can watch in a live time to make sure that this doesn't stop okay so we're just gonna like do like a little tab action here okay so we need to start at the very beginning this starts this whole situation stems all the way back to 2006 before trump was president before he was even thinking of running for president before any anything relevant to politics so basically what happened allegedly is in 2006 in july 2006 after a celebrity golf tournament trump allegedly had an affair had multiple affairs with a bunch of different women after this golf tournament um, one of whom is very well known like for this stormy daniels a like just an adult film star so that was 2006 and just whatever there were rumors spinning around and stuff but like again trump wasn't about to be president so it didn't exactly matter he was married at the time which like does complicate things a little um he's married to melania so you know whatever um but that is basically what happened so that's kind of just like celebrity gossip at that point right like no one actually cares fast forward 10 years and he's running for president so now things like that start to matter so essentially what happened is i guess what happened was trump was this is probably what happened trump was probably nervous the story was going to get out that stormy daniels was going to start talking because again there's a million reasons why she would want to start talking like Again, one, he's running for president, so starting telling your story that you slept with someone who's about to be president, had an affair with him, that's a big story. So she can make tons of money off of interviews. Um, also, she can get tons of clout from this. She, this is right before, again, this is right before the election. Like, this is October 2016. Trump is about to win the presidency. He's running for president. He is about to enter a general election. He was married at the time, so that makes things even more, like, complicates things even more. This wasn't just, I slept with the person who's about to be president. This was, I slept with the person who was about to resonate while he was married. So that's another thing. And also, there was a lot of allegations coming out about Trump. Some 
not so legal things, right? Which, again, I don't know about any of that. Like, I'm not claiming to be, yes, he did it, no, he didn't do it. But if there's a lot of allegations of stuff, like, involving women having to do with Trump, and you can come out and corroborate those claims by saying that you slept with him, that he had an affair, I'm not conflating, like, anything non-consensual with an affair, of course not, but I'm trying to just emphasize that that could help that her saying this, her beco- going public with this story would certainly like help corroborate any claims of anyone else. So there's a ton of reasons why she would want to come forward now, October 2016. So what probably happened is Trump probably realized this is about to come forward and he needs to silence her. So what happened was Trump, through his lawyer at the time, again, and big emphasis on former lawyer, um, Michael Cohn, he um, threw, he, Trump threw him, Um, Michael Cohn paid $130,000 to Stormy Daniels to um, stay quiet, basically, to not talk about this, to basically that's hush money, right, which is totally legal. You're allowed to pay someone hush money, well, not to blackmail them or anything, but you're allowed to pay someone money to keep quiet and not go public about a certain story. Sure, nothing wrong with that. Basically, just a standard non-disclosure agreement, right? So that's basically what this was. Basically, just a payment of $130,000 from Michael Cohn, Trump's lawyer, a tea broker to deal with Jeremy Daniels' lawyer, Keith Davidson, to stay quiet. Fine, all good. Nothing illegal there yet, right? So now let's fast forward a bit. This Jeremy Daniels stays quiet. No one knows about any of this. There are rumors, but like, who cares? Okay, 2018. January 2018, the Wall Street Journal is the one who breaks the story that they, they find out about the NDA. They, they break the story of the NDA, the non-disclosure agreement. They break the story about the hush money. Trump, since then, has consistently denied having the affair. I don't doubt that he had the affair. I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is his involvement in the NDA. But we're going to get into all that. But anyways, um, so it all goes public, right? Some other stuff starts to go public also, and that is how exactly... These, this this payment was reported on in documents and what the purpose of the payment was. Was it to like help Trump in the election? So I'm not going to get into all the legality of it because I'm going to get into that later when we talk about what Trump's being accused of. But anyway, there was some stuff that Michael Cohn did with this payment that weren't so legal. So in August 2018, he pled guilty to a bunch of different crimes relating to this, including campaign finance violations having to do with this hush money payment. And another payment he made to another Playboy model that Trump had allegedly slept with, Karen McDougal. Anyways, I'm not going to get into the details. I don't really care. Again, I don't care about this dumb celebrity gossip or anything, any technical, like, legal stuff. That's not why I'm trying to explain here today. I'm trying to explain the way our system works, which I already did. What is an indictment? What is a grand jury? All that. What is arraignment? Um, and I also want, there's a few points that I want to emphasize, and these are definitely not it. So I don't really care about the details, but regardless of what happened with any of that, um, just what you, what you should know is that Michael Cohn with all these different issues relating to how he paid again, the payment isn't the issue. It was different technicalities with how the money was reported and how, how, what the purpose of it was, was it to help Trump's chances in the election? Regardless, he was sentenced to three years in jail. He ended up not serving all those. Some of them were served on house arrest not important. Okay. So that's just what you have to know. That's the background that you need. So now let's talk about what any of this has to do with Trump. 
So, again, let me just emphasize, hush money is not illegal. You are allowed to pay someone hush money. That is not the issue. The issue is, so basically, like I said before, Michael Cohn, Trump's lawyer, was the one who paid Stormy Daniels. He was when he paid her the hush money. But then there are records of the Trump organization, which is Trump, basically, reimbursing Cohn, paying Cohn back, paying him back $130,000 plus some extra for tax stuff and as a bonus, whatever, paying him back for the money he had paid to Stormy Daniels. And those charges, this is the key, this is one of the keys actually, those charges that he, the Trump organization, because you, you have to file, you know, when you're a business or when you're any sort of organization, you have to like mark down every, every all the money you're spending, right? So these charges were marked down as legal fees, legal expenses. So basically when the Trump organization paid back Michael Cohn for the money he paid Stormy Daniels to keep quiet, they marked it down on their records as a legal expense. Who's having mic trouble again? So I just need to like, I feel like my new brand is gonna be like, I'm not gonna lie, cause like probably every single episode I've had instances where my mic was funky, cause like I don't know how to do this. Let's be real. I would pretend that I'm an expert, but I'm not. I feel like every episode I've probably had like things where my mic wasn't working or like something happened, and I just like probably never told anyone. And just like, like fun fact, fun here's a fun behind the scenes fact. Episode two was recorded twice. Like the entire thing was recorded twice. No wait, episode three I think the 1984 one. I think that was episode three or four. I don't know. Anyway, one that episode that 1984 one I recorded the entire. Th- I think I'm questioning if maybe it was the episode two one, like the shocking men can't get pregnant one. I don't know. Either way, one of those episodes was recorded twice. Like I recorded the whole thing, hated it, and then did the whole thing again. So, that's just a fun behind scenes fact, but there's probably been, like, at least one instance of something going totally wrong. Episode 1, we also recorded twice because the whole thing got deleted on accident. So, there's probably at least one instance on every single episode of something just going horrendously wrong, and then we just had to record the whole thing again, or I had to cut out a part, or I, like, had some mic issue. Sorry about that. Also, I apologize. I noticed there was one part, like, because I was listening back to the beginning of this episode before I recorded this which I'm going to tell you the whole story in a minute. And I noticed that also because I realized I want to like have a conversation. I don't want to just be talking politics. Anyway, and um, I noticed that there was like a good five minutes where I was just like fiddling with a mic or something like this kind of was going on for like a good five minutes and I just didn't notice and I apologize about that. Maybe that's why I should keep the headphones on, even though right now nothing is playing. But um, so I apologize for that, but anyway, as I was saying, so the beginning of this episode was recorded, like, maybe three, four days ago, um, and then I realized that partway through, like, like, up to the part where I cut off mid-sentence after that, because it stopped recording a couple times, and I had to, like, start it again, so I started it again, and I guess my mic didn't pick up my voice anymore, because the remainder of the episode, the next, like, half hour, I sounded like I was underwater. Like, I just sounded like the, there was no it was terrible audio quality. I just sounded underwater. So I totally deleted that part. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not putting out an episode. It's disgusting. Like, I hate listening to it. So I have to record the whole second part again. So we're like maybe three, four days after um, I recorded the first part of this. But that's just a fun behind the scenes fact. And I've just decided I'm going to leave it. I'm just going to leave that mid-sentence thing. Not try to cover it up and pretend it didn't happen. We're just going to be honest. And I'm just going to continue on from where I left off. 
So that is what we're going to do. So we are going to continue from mid-sentence where I left off. Okay, so what I was saying three, four days ago, oh, last time I tried to record this, was we were talking about the issue. What actually is the legal issue? Because the legal issue isn't the hush money, like we said. The legal issue isn't the affair, like we said. Nothing to do with that, right? So the issue is, and that's what we're going to talk about, is that when Trump reimbursed Cohn, when Trump paid Michael Cohn, his former lawyer, lawyer at the time, when he paid him back for that $130,000 hush money payment plus some extra expenses that he paid him back for, um, some like tax stuff, some bonuses, that he classified that payment, he marked it like when he was documenting all the payments he made with his business, whatever, as a legal expense. Now, this was not a legal expense. This was just him paying back hush money. So this wasn't a legal expense, and it should not have been documented in, doc- in like all his reporting and all, and shouldn't have been documented at all as a legal expense. So that's called falsifying a business record, and that is a misdemeanor in the state of New York. But here's where it becomes a little bit more complicated. It's not just a standard mis- misdemeanor. I think I explained it's like smaller crime versus a felony, which is a bigger crime. But this crime becomes a felony, a class E felony, so a very low level felony. But it becomes a felony if it's done in order to conceal another crime. So if you're falsifying business records in order to conceal, to hide that you committed another crime, so you're using the falsified business records to hide that, then it becomes a felony. So what was this other crime that Trump was trying to conceal? Allegedly, this is all alleged. Um, He was trying to conceal that he had violated campaign finance laws. What would those campaign finance laws be? It would have been using that hush money, using trying to silence Stormy Daniels to help his chances in the election. I'm not so well versed in all the nuances of campaign finance law, nor does it interest me, as I've said multiple times. This is not what I'm trying to like focus on here. I'm not trying to make you all become legal experts or make myself become a legal es- expert. But what I am trying to do is we're, we're going to get into what actually interests me. But what I do want to just cl- explain is just literally what he did. So w- somehow that hush money, whatever, was if he was doing it in order to help his chances in the election, you know, to silence certain stories, whatever, that he'd had an affair, any of that. And we're going to get into a little bit more about that, another aspect of this in just a second. But if he had done that, if he had falsified these business records by by reporting the, the repaying of Michael Cohn as a legal expense to hide the fact that this was like him repaying hush money and doing that in order to hide that he had violated campaign finance laws by paying this hush money to help his chances in the election, then that becomes a felony. So that is what he's being charged with. There's like 34 counts different related to different nuances within this. Now there's one, so basically that this is the key question, right? Was that hush money? Was that an illegal campaign contribution? If it was, then he was falsifying the business records in order to hide this illegal contribution and then basically he's guilty and we're going to get into like I'm going to get into like more nuanced points within this but that's basically what the accusation is one other aspect that came out more recently a little bit more recently was that this isn't just about Stormy Daniels there were two other payments one he had made to Karen McDougal who I mentioned earlier I think 
Um, it was all so long ago. Um, but went to Karen McDougal, just like another like former Playboy model, whatever. I don't really care. Um, and went to like a doorman at some like Trump building. I don't know. Um, anyways, two payments he had made to them that were called basically what are called catch and kill payments, which is a very interesting concept. Basically, what a catch and kill is, is if you want to keep a story quiet basically you'll have someone buy the rights to a story knowing they're never going to print that story so there was basically there was this trump ally who worked at a certain um tabloid and michael cohen trump's lawyer which probably trump knew about all this going along um assuming like you know that's like my mind that's not really a huge doubt but anyway michael cohen and like kind of got connected with this ally of Trump who worked at a tabloid, like, who, like, owned a tabloid, and the two of them, like, struck a deal, and basically to buy the rights of certain stories that these two individuals, this doorman and Karen McDougal that they had, Karen McDougal that she had slept with Trump, and the doorman had some knowledge of some story about, like, uh, some illegitimate child that Trump allegedly had, which he denies also, which I don't know, like, I'm, no, no idea if that's true or not. Anyway, so Michael Cohn, basically, um, along with this ally of Trump, they bought the rights to this story. So meaning Michael Cohn had paid this tabloid, basically, and the tabloid bought the rights to the story, knowing just because then no one else could print it. Because if you buy the rights to the story, no one else can print that story. And then, of course, they're just going to not print the story, right? So now they have the right, so no one else can print it, but they don't want to print it because they're friends with Trump. So then they just have the story, but they're not going to print it. So then no one knows. The story never goes public. It's a very well-known concept called catch and kill. So that these payments also that Michael Cohn's lawyer had, you know, been involved in paying for this catch and kill um, also are part of this bigger indictment that those also, those catch and kill, those stories that never went public, were also, like, illegal campaign contributions, misclassified, like, documentation. They're also part of this whole mess. That's just one thing I want to bring up, and i do not not sure about all the details, because, again, that's not what I'm trying to emphasize in this episode. That is something I wanted to bring up. So, the, basically, these are the issues at hand. Um, just to summarize, again, were these payments illegal campaign contributions? And if they were, then it's falsifying business records by saying this is a legal expense being paid back um, from Trump to Cohn in order to hide that these were violations of campaign finance laws, right? That is basically the issue at hand. Okay, the next thing I want to do is just quickly address one point, the other point that was asked in the question originally about if Trump can still become the next president. So, legally, no issue. And here's why. Because, one, an indictment, just being accused of and going to trial for a crime, is cannot prevent you from becoming, from becoming president. He can still run for president, even though he's been indicted. Not an issue. Now, there are certain crimes that if you are found guilty of them, part of the penalty for the crime is that you can't run for president, one, and here's two reasons why that shouldn't matter. One, I don't know if, I haven't seen anyone discuss if these crimes are included in that list. I doubt it. Um, so I think probably it won't be an issue. But even the crimes where in the penalty, 
it is listed that like it is discussed or included that you can't run for president those stipulations might actually be unconstitutional in the first place because the constitution itself does not say any restrictions of this sort for running for president so it might actually be unconstitutional to have these b penalties that you can't run for president if you're convicted of x y or z so I don't think legally this is going to be an issue for Trump at all. Politically, like if this is going to hurt or help him politically, that I'm going to get into later when I talk about the implications of all this, which we're going to actually pretty soon we're going to get to it. But that is basically the short answer is no, it will not impact him. Yes, he can still run for president. So the next thing I want to discuss a little bit is will Trump be found guilty, right? What's the outcome of all this? So I think the short answer that, at least my opinion, is that no, he will not be found guilty. I think he will be acquitted. So here's the reason why. Um, I actually have like a whole list of reasons, but I think there's one quote that kind of sums up my whole attitude towards this. And that quote is from a man named Mark Scholl. He worked in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office for almost 40 years. Now, that's the office that is that indicted Trump. That's the office that is prosecuting Trump, right? That's Alvin Bragg's office. So he worked there for almost 40 years, and now he just has a private practice. But he just had this great quote that I think sums up really my whole attitude and a lot of people's attitudes toward this whole case. And that quote is, the surprise here is that there were no surprises, and I guess when all the details of this were just coming out and everything was going public and we found out all the details of this, I guess people were just expecting a little bit more because let's be real and I'm not accusing any former president of anything, but a silly like business related type of accusation to break such a barrier of a former president has never been indicted before. This is the first time with Trump to break such a barrier over something so seemingly minor and just not groundbreaking at all. Nothing so exciting. It just seems a little bit odd, you know, and of course, there's been a lot of firsts with Trump. Trump's the first president to have his house raided. He was the first president to be impeached twice. One of the times when he was already out of office, which is so bizarre to me to this day but so there are a lot of firsts with Trump I get that but breaking such a barrier and kind of doing something that seems so unthinkable until it was done with Trump indicting a former president over something so minor it seems it's just a little bit odd you know and just I'm again I'm not accusing any former president of anything but I think it's laughable to assume that every single other former president has been perfectly clean in all their business dealings and has never done anything maybe a little bit illegal even. And I'm not accusing anyone of anything, even though I'm going to mention one example in a minute. But to just assume that, I think is foolish. I think we can all admit that former presidents have had many issues in the past and it's just a line that we haven't crossed before you know for example the Clintons I'm sorry you cannot tell me they have not done any shady business dealings or been involved in anything much shadier 
and what Trump is being accused of currently. Where are the Jeffrey Epstein flight logs? And I'm not accusing them of being on it because I don't want to get murdered. But all I'm saying is it's a little bit odd that these records have not been released. You know if, and this is kind of like a meme that people like discuss a little bit, which is funny, but like almost half serious, that we know Trump isn't on those, like isn't on the records of people who were on that island, because if he was on that island, it would have been released long ago. But this, maybe it's a little bit funny because I'm not, I, no one knows who's on that list. I think if we ever get it, there's going to be some real people that we didn't expect. But um, the sentiment holds true that when it comes to other presidents, we are not nearly as, as just strict about justice and as let's go. And I'm going to mention this later with Alvin Bragg, but we are not nearly as rah-rah, let's get him on every little thing. Because if we were, Trump would not be the first president to be indicted. So I think what I'm trying to outline here through all this example and through all this discussion is that this is a huge line, not a line, but a huge step being taken that hasn't been taken with anyone else. There's no precedent for this. So to take an even further step and find a president, former president guilty to convict a former president, I'm not putting it past a New York jury especially, but I am saying that it's a big step to take and I think everyone involved knows that. So for that reason, I'm going to say that I, that's one reason I think that he's not going to be found guilty. Another reason I don't think he's going to be found guilty is that this combination of charges is unprecedented. And what I mean by that is, remember I discussed earlier how the falsifying business records is a simple misdemeanor, but it becomes elevated to a class E felony, to a very low level felony, when combined with the fact that it is being used to cover up another crime, being the campaign finance violations. So this combination of charges of falsifying business records to cover up a second crime, that second crime being falsifying business records, that's a fairly unprecedented um, combination of charges. So that also makes this kind of uncharted waters and makes it a little bit harder to get a conviction on this, to get enough evidence and to gather everything well enough. Sorry, I don't know if you guys hear that. That is my shades going up. They're like automated. Um, it's 5 a.m. That's another reason. Uh, another point is that, and this is what we, I'm not a legal expert. I'm not claiming like I know exactly how much evidence would be needed or in this specific case, but a lot of legal experts are saying this. This isn't just me talking, um, but a lot of people are saying, and I, I can see wh- why this would be the case, that there just isn't that much evidence, that just so many different things have to come together for this to actually be something that can be proven. So again, I don't, I don't really, that's just, it seems unrealistic to me. Another point is that this stems back all the way to a hush money payment and some other payments, the catch and kill stuff. That was all 2016 of that, that period of time. And over like, We've heard about this over the years. I've heard people discuss this over the years, but no one has ever actually gone this far as to indict Trump over this. So now, all of a sudden, Alvin Bragg has enough to indict him. 
So I just think because of the amount of time that has passed, it just seems a little odd that no one has done anything until now. So it seems more like Alvin Bragg was like grasping for straws a little bit and looking to get Trump on something, which I'm going to get into like the bias in this later. But it just seems like he's like trying to like get Trump on something instead of there's actually enough enough here for him to actually do anything because no one has done anything before. Right. So that's another point. A final point on this on this part of the episode is that if they're hinging this case on any testimony from Michael Cohn, any any references to Michael Cohn, the prosecution, meaning because Michael Cohn is, has turned on Trump at this point, right? If they're hinging anything on Michael Cohn being like Michael Cohn saying, this is all Trump, Trump is involved in this, um, he knows full, knew full everything that was happening as it was happening, even though because he didn't sign the NDA, Trump didn't sign the NDA. In the involving like the non-disclosure movement having to do with hash money, so uh, if Michael Cohen were to say no, Trump really knew about all this. He's involved and everything like that. If the prosecution is in any way bringing Michael Cohen or hinging this on Michael Cohen, then the Trump's defense has a very good counterargument to that. They can say Michael Cohen one has lied in court before, which is true. Michael Cohen has lied in court before, and he's a convicted felon. He went to jail. So you're going to hinge everything on the testimony or on any proof brought from a convicted felon and a liar. So that's just a very good counterargument that Trump's team will surely bring up if the prosecution mentions Michael Cohn in any way as a proof against Trump or as a witness against Trump. So that is another aspect that just shows that I don't see a guilty conviction for Trump in the future. I'm not claiming to be an expert, but I am bringing in the comments of other people who are more expert in this. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. And I'm not saying that's for sure. I think definitely it's possible that there could be a, he could be convicted. I think with Trump, especially nothing is impossible. And this is New York, you know, so you never know what'll happen, but that's my prediction. Now, the next thing I want to get into, and this is going to seem a little bit out of order, but I'm going, it's because I want to end on a certain point that's more like, you know, just more powerful, I guess. Um, but let's assume this is biased because I'm going to get into a little bit later why I think this is biased. Just a couple points, not many. But let's assume that this is. And I'm going gonna to get into why, um, why I think that. But let's assume that it is. What it, what are what is the end game here? What are, what are they trying to send Trump to jail? What is Alvin Bag trying to do here? What is the goal? So I think there's two possibilities, and there's always kind of two possibilities in all these different situations that have come up with Trump. The first possibility is that they think Trump will go to jail. Is that they are confident that they can get Trump to go to jail for this, and then once he's in jail, he's out of the way. He can't, he's not going to run for president. He's, he's, and again, if even if he found, he's found guilty, he won't necessarily go to jail. There's no manda- mandatory jail time for this type of felony. Class E, it's very low level. Um, most likely it'll just be a fee or something like that or some other type of penalty. But um, maybe they think that they're confident they can get a guilty conviction, have it, have, get him to go to jail, 
all that. And then just get them out of the way. Politically, everything. Um, so that is one possibility. I don't think that's so likely. Because I think they know that it's going to be extremely difficult to get a guilty conviction here. What I think is more likely, and I did discuss this in my last episode about the raid. When I talked about what was the end game with the raid. This is what I think is more likely. They think this is going to help Trump politically. Because, as I mentioned in the last episode, Trump thrives off of these situations. His base grows every single time something like this happens. Because he ran as the, I hate the bureaucrats, I hate the swamp, I hate all these, this this big government, all this corruption, I'm anti-establishment, I'm anti the status quo. So whenever the status quo, whenever the bureaucrats, whenever big government comes after him, his point becomes proven. Because, look, they're coming after me, just like I said, they hate me, and he views himself and declares himself as representation of common day of common americans which he really isn't but like that's what he runs on so if they're coming out he's so his big thing is they're coming after me but really that's just because you're in the way um because i'm in the way of you guys right and there's like this corny meme that i mentioned in my last episode but it's relevant again so why not say it again where it's like Trump standing there all like brave looking and it's like they're coming after you, I'm just in the way. But that is Trump's whole shtick. That he is anti the big government, anti the swamp, anti the feds, anti everyone who comes after the little guy. So when the when the those feds and that big government and anyone he views as a corrupt bureaucrat, someone like Alvin Bragg, they come after him, his point is proven. And his base grows. People become more enthusiastic about him. So, what I think Alvin Bragg is trying to do here more likely than trying to put Trump in jail is I think he's trying, he's a huge progressive, right? He's definitely anti-Trump. What he's really trying to do is he's trying to grow Trump's base, make him even more popular, popular enough that he that popularity can push him through the primary and make him win a general, win the popular, win, sorry, win the nomination of the Republican Party, and then he'll be the run to run against Biden or whoever the Democrats decide to put up, which honestly might not be Biden. Maybe it will be. But whoever the Democrats decide to put up, they think can beat Trump, but they're not sure if that person could beat DeSantis, let's say, or whoever else they think could win the nomination besides for Trump. But they think that they can beat Trump. So if they can grow Trump's popularity, because these things, like I said, grow Trump's popularity enough that he will win the primary and he will be the one to run against Biden or whoever else it is next year, 2024, then they think they can beat him. So those are the two options of assuming this is biased, what the end game is. And I'm going to discuss why I think this is biased. So before I do that, one more point I want to bring up is just the implications of this. What does indicting a former president mean for just the political landscape of our country, the landscape of our country in general? What does this look like? What does this mean for the future? So there's a few things we need to address. Number one, again, as everyone has said and as I've said, this is unprecedented. It's never happened before. 
right so now that it has some kind of invisible wall has been broken some sort of invisible or unspoken rule that we just don't touch former presidents that's gone that is completely out the window and again as i'm going to discuss me thinking this is political and biased and not a true seek not a true like attempt to seek justice because of course i think a former president murders someone of course i think it would be asinine to say that then them being prosecuted was political but i think in this case as i'm going to discuss assuming that it is political now there are no restrictions now It has been made clear that indictments can be made on political grounds and you can just go after your political opponents and people on the other side of the aisle um, for whatever crime you dig up, right? So now it really is a free-for-all. So now it's very likely that we're going to start seeing that other people are going to be indicted on both sides. I'm not only exclusively accusing the democrats of doing this although it seems that they've done this a little bit more specifically in regards to trump but i think now that it has been made clear that indictments can just be political weapons just like raiding houses can be political weapons we're going to see it more often than just once in history so that's one implication of this that is not a good implication another thing is that if trump is found guilty The implications of that will be explosive. Not only will Trump's base grow, I believe, but apart from that entirely, I think it will just further expose the corruption within these, these huge DA offices like Alvin Bragg, you know, and expose the political bias in every branch of government and on every level of government. Not only just in the deep fed, right? Um, And that's not a good thing also. That doesn't make people trust our government. That makes it seem more like a banana republic than ever. Which that sentiment grows more and more every day. And I just think that it is not a good idea for the future of our country, for things like this to be allowed to happen. And of course, if there's a genuine crime that a president needs to be held accountable for, we'll, then we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I don't think this is a genuine on Alvin Bragg's part, as much as he says that it is. I think it is extremely political. Now we're going to get into why we think this is political on the part of Alvin Bragg. This is the part I want to emphasize because this makes me mad. So Alvin Bragg has done tremendous criminal reform. By tremendous, I don't mean that in a good way. Alvin Bragg has been involved with his DA office in Manhattan, has been involved in huge criminal reforms in the way he does criminal justice in his office. Not in a good way. He's essentially just letting people go off. (laughs) And I just want to read a few quotes from articles about this. And these quotes, the statistics I'm going to bring, I think, are from the New York Post, but These quotes that I'm bringing are not from conservative sites. These are from the New York Times, CNN. These are not exactly biased toward the right-wing sources. Just a few quotes um, 
Just discussing some of the changes Alvin Brack has made in the way he does criminal justice in his office. So let's just let's just go through these here. And you tell me if you think this is someone who cares about prosecuting every little thing. Ready? And this is this makes me angry. This genuinely makes me angry. Okay. The district attorney Alvin Bragg told prosecutors in his office in a memo that they should ask judges for jail or prison time only for the most serious offenses, including murder, sexual assault, and economic crimes involving vast sums of money, unless the law requires them to do otherwise. Essentially, he's saying, don't seek to put people in jail unless they did, like, only for the bare minimum. You know, like, if they murder someone, you can put them in jail for that, but, like, anything else, like, anything minor, don't put them in jail for that. And by minor, he means, like, robbery or something like that clearly unless there's a law that requires them that they has like a mandatory prison sentence the crimes he instructed prosecutors to avoid seeking jail time for include certain robberies and assaults as well as gun possession in cases where no other crimes are involved he also directed that they no longer request prison sentences of more than 20 years absent exceptional circumstances someone robs a convenience store put them in jail for that no problem someone hit someone across the face and like not saying like any dumb fight but like if someone genuinely attacks someone on the street no jail time for that that's fine if someone um if someone does something serious and he does want jail time no more than 20 years okay right that this seems like someone who cares about the law hmm? yeah does this seem like someone who cares about the law to me, it doesn't. There's more. Mr. Bragg has also said he would not prosecute some misdemeanors, including prostitution and fair evasion, than that his predecessor, Cyrus R. Vance Jr., had already stopped char- charging his crimes. So, again, I'm going to discuss this a little in a minute, but these seem like small things, but these are serious things to stop prosecuting. Legalizing prostitution has proven to just increase sex trafficking, to increase trafficking, which I could do a whole episode on, but that's irrelevant right now. But my point here is that these little things he's doing, which aren't so little, but even the little things he's doing are greatly going to increase crime in that area. And another point is that when you stop prosecuting little crimes... People escalate to bigger crimes, right? People who are at first just robbers, and I'm not saying every robber is a potential killer, but people who start with robbery and are working their way up or start with arson and are working their way up, someone could end up dead. They might end up killing someone because you didn't punish them for the little things, so they escalated. So what's, what are the results of this? Ready? Ryan Larceny has shot at 49% so far, This and this was... That article, these articles were from 2022, like the beginning of 2022. So then this, this, these statistics are from like the middle of 2022 after these policies have had some time to like, you know, like start being, um, start being used. Grand Larceny has shot at 49% so far this year over last year as of Sunday from 18,058 to 26,908. Auto theft has spiked by 46.2%. From 4,855 to 7,100. 
Robberies up 39.2% from 6,530 to 9,091. And burglaries increased 32.9% from 6,251 to 8,305, the numbers show. Felonious assault rose from 18.6% and rapes saw an 11% increase so far this year over 2021. So what happens when you stop being tough on crime? Crime increases. Who knew? So, and I know people will argue he's trying to, you know, do other things instead of instead of prison time, work on rehabilitating them and work on, you know, taking care of them. But, and I know people, even maybe some conservatives will disagree with me on this point, but when someone commits a violent crime, and I'm including in that, like any robbery or anything more serious than that, um, even if, let's say, a robbery isn't necessarily violent, things that are serious crimes, they deserve to be in jail for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think we have an under-incarceration problem, and I watched, there's a great speech by McDonald's about this, if anyone's interested, um, about the under-incarceration problem, but turns out, when you don't incarcerate people for little things, they escalate, and when you don't punish them, we don't have a system that punishes wrongdoing, wrongdoing will increase, so this is what Alvin Bragg has done, so He's someone who seems to not care about the fact that crime is shooting up in Manhattan. Does not seem to care about the fact that all the things I listed are increasing. That he's just letting criminals go free, essentially. And we hear story after story after story. Literally, when I was doing research on this, I just googled... Let me read you exactly the words I googled. Alvin Bragg criminal reform. The second result that comes up when you google that... It's just an example of how his policies are directly affecting crime. Um, it, the title is, D.A. Bragg and bail reform continued to menace law-abiding New Yorkers. And basically, I'm just going to like read a direct quote from here. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's soft-on-crime approach has claimed another victim. A 15-year-old Bronx girl was sexually, who was sexually assaulted on Wednesday, allegedly by a brute, set free when Bragg's office downgraded his robbery charges in May. Turns out, when someone starts with robbery and you don't properly put them in jail and, pr- and, and treat them as a serious criminal, you're going to have those who escalate. And recidivism is going to just increase even more than it all. Recidivism is through the roof. It's going to increase even more. And that's just one example that I wasn't even looking for that when I typed it in and that is what came up. What I'm trying to just like get across here through my long-winded speeches, which I could go on for hours about, and I'm not kidding, I could go on for hours, is... That Alvin Bragg does not seem to me like someone who looks at the facts and is serious about dealing with the crime problem in his district and is instead letting criminals go free, causing crime to increase, um, and is not serious about criminal justice. But what he, listen to what he said. This is laughable. Listen to what he said about about what he's doing with Trump, about him indicting Trump. This is an unreal... I would laugh if the implications weren't so horrifying. 
Listen to this quote from him. This is the, was the headline of a political article a couple days ago. It, it makes me laugh, but again, it's not funny because when you hear horrific stories of what happened, what's happening, people getting hit in the head with metal pipes in New York, people getting pushed onto subway platforms by homeless people, or even anyone, people being attacked on the subway, punched across the face, people being assaulted, murdered in broad daylight. When you hear stories like that, it's not funny anymore. But I'm just reading, okay, I can't. I look at this st- question and I can't even get it out. It's unreal what he says. Ready? This is from a political article. This is what Alvin Bragg said about what he's doing to Trump. We cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. Really, Alvin Bragg. So he's letting robbers who will then escalate to more serious crimes go off, just go off? Is that not normalizing criminal conduct? Are crime rates shooting up in your district, in New York? Are, are things not shooting up so much? Is that not normalizing criminal conduct? Hmm. Seems to me like that is normalizing criminal conduct. Yet with Trump, you are going to get him on every little thing yet you are going to let people be attacked in the streets of your district every single day and could you hear stories about this every single day i followed a few i followed many of them over the past months year even and it is horrifying what is happening so that's not normalizing serious criminal conduct Hmm? but with trump you are going to be meticulous as anything and this makes me genuinely angry and that's why I wanted to end with this, because this is something I care about. I may not care so much about Trump necessarily, but I do care about the fact that Alvin Bragg is the biggest hypocrite. I could, I could read through these numbers again. I could tell you 500 more stories, just like the one I mentioned earlier. I could give you 500 more statistics. I could read you more details of his policy, but I think you get the point. And I think just that alone, besides for the fact that Trump can't catch a break, that he has been just attacked over and over and over again legally every single time something comes up, which I think also is just proof of the political bias, but just this alone, the fact that Alvin Bragg literally is letting violent criminals off. And as a result, crime is shooting through the roof in his district just that fact alone and then with trump he is meticulous and will not normalize serious criminal conduct end quote just that fact enough i think proves the political bias and that's where i want to end with this so i hope you guys enjoyed and we'll get a little bit like intense at the end but that's because that makes me so unbelievably angry and I could talk about the crime problem in this country and there are definitely even conservatives who disagree with me because I'm a little bit extreme but I'm extreme because when people are getting attacked in the streets then we have failed as a country we have failed as a society so that's why Um, but I want to next just before I end here give a little bit of a preview of what's next 
for next episode hopefully this is the plan at least um because because I, I you know it's been seven months haven't done an episode I've been away and I also this episode also like wasn't so research heavy it was you know like I feel like I haven't like delivered you know but so here's the one for next episode um, I want to talk about the shooting, obviously, in Nashville, which I wanted to do for my first episode back, but then Trump had to get indicted and had to talk about it. But um, I do want to talk about um, that shooting, and I want to specifically talk about the police the police response, because that was an unreal video to watch. I, I've, I, gonna, I'm going to play some clips from the, uh, the body cam footage, but crazy the police response was great and when I compare that to Uvalde where the police literally stood there listening to children get murdered for over an hour which I want to compare those two and I also want to talk about um a story that my friend Eliana uncovered she wanted to be in the episode but unfortunately she's now away so that is not going to work but um she uncovered something interesting um, having to do with indoctrinating our children <laughs> in popular media, um, a show called Nick News, marketed towards kids, yet discussing some interesting topics. Um, I want to talk about a similar story that I sort of have been looking into a little bit with my local library and the books they are putting on the shelves. It's all going to tie into a larger, larger, I guess, point about indoctrinating our children and what we're exposing our kids to. Um, I also want to maybe do a Q&A, possibly, but I need you guys to send in questions in order to do that, which then segues me into my outro, where I then tell you all to send me questions. Email is podcast at gmail.com. That is podcast at gmail.com. Send in your questions, guys, or I can't do a Q&A portion without any questions. Thank you to those who have texted me questions but I do need you guys to send in questions if you want me to do a Q&A if not we'll just focus on those two I do want to talk about Dylan Mulvaney because he cannot sit out of the news for five oh god it's gonna get taken off Spotify for misgendering hopefully not with my like what like 20 listeners um hopefully it doesn't but I actually did get a COVID-19 rating once like a warning like get information about COVID-19 because I mentioned it in one episode so maybe they are listening um but anyways that is all send in your questions guys we'll see what we talk about it's just like a sneak peek for what I hope to do next um my next episode that's the plan um so I apologize if this ends up being inaccurate but that is all and anyways have a great day everyone have a great week and I'm so excited to be back. Temporarily. Temporarily. But yeah, anyways. Bye, guys. Thanks for turning right.